Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. We're two evangelical Catholics with PhDs in common sense, and common sense ain't that common. Jess Romero, I'm reporting for duty, sir. Same here, Terry, reporting for duty, <laughs> the holy hour of power. Amen, brother. Or just want to remind people that sure. this month, July, is yep. the month where we honor the precious blood of Jesus. Go to Mass as often as possible. Make sure you're a weekly adorer of Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. The goal in life is to be holy, to become as holy as possible. Our goal, Terry, our job is not to correct, you know, correct prelates and clergy and nope. deacons and priests. Sometimes we have to invoke canon to 12. I get that. Mm -hmm. But our job, Jesus is looking down at us and he wants us to become holy. Amen. That's our job. And if you become holy, guess what? You have an effect on other people in the body of Christ, and they become holy as well. Jesse, you just nailed it And how we deal with crisis in the church. The best thing we can do is live a holy life, and that's yeah. what we're all about. Remember what Bishop Sheen said, if souls are saved, everything is saved. If souls aren't saved, nothing is saved. So all this baloney that's going on, stay focused, keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen, bro, because that's exactly what the devil wants you to keep your eyes on the world, yep. keep your eyes on problems, keep your eyes on the things that are going uh, that are not going well. Amen. The devil wants to take away your peace. He wants to work on your fear mechanism. He wants to work on your depression. He wants to work on your anxiety and stress. Don't let him do that. Keep your eyes on Jesus. By the way, if you like our shows, yes. you can share the show by, by sharing the full show link at vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at VMP Radio. And we've also got a YouTube channel, Full Sheen Ahead. Share us with your friends and evangelize everyone you love. Well said. And just before I give you the topics in the gospel, yesterday's show with Charles A. Columbia, he uh, really knocked the ball out of the park. We've got about fifteen or 16,000 people that just watched it on our YouTube uh, channel and our other channels that we're promoting this station. And I just got to say, it's going to be great when we have him in September weekly on our network. All right, Jess, today's topics. I we're going to be in, we're going to be interviewing Jack uh Garoglio. You know, it's her name's Katie Warner actually. Katie Warner. Oh, Katie, I'm looking at this future priest. Okay. Yeah, that's that's the name of the book she wrote. She wrote a book called Tell us about it. Yeah. I'm looking at it here, Terry. It's, oh, I see Katie. It's now. a yeah. good kids comic book. <laughs> it's uh, it's called Jack Giorgio Future Priest. Yeah. And what 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 she did? What did she it's, do? It's it's illustrated like a comic book. It shows the the life of a priest, kind of as a superhero. I love it. As, as, as with a cape, you know. Yeah, I can see the like like now. Superman. And and I'm telling you, fighting uh, evil, fighting evil. I guess. Yeah. It. Ex this book is going to be so well received because again, the illustrated pictures are very colorful. And it shows the priest Terry as a superhero. I love it. Uh, I, I think it's gonna. I think it's it's gonna do well. And I just tip my hat off to her for writing a book like that for kids. Absolutely. And we're also gonna cover at the last segment uh, a Dominican priest who wrote this article. Actually, he's a brother, young brother. Does God give us more than we can handle? It's gonna be talking mm. about Thomistic philosophy and why how we should be handling things uh, in a godly way, especially when we're under stress. So much, much more. But before we get to that, yeah, bef yeah, before we get to the good news, let me just give some news oh, items yeah. real quick, and then we'll get Update. to the then, yeah. then we'll get to the good news. You got it. The CDC item number one promotes leftist curriculum. Yep, the yeah. Center for Disease Control and okay. Prevention. Yeah, their website promotes the Gay Lesbian Straight Straight Education Network, GLSEN. It's a leftist group 
that pushes gender ideology in school curricula. Specifically, the CDC site has an LGBTQ youth resources page. Horrible. Which directs teachers to, to again, the Gay, Lesbian, Straight Education Network. Uh, And my question is, why does... Why does the Center for Disease Control have anything to do with pushing people into the homosexual lifestyle? Good question. I, I don't see the connection there. Right. That's not that's not promoting virtue. Nope. That's not education. That's promoting vice and sin. Next news item. Yep. The, a tennis champ is blasting the NCAA tennis legend Mar- Martina Navratilova. Yeah. She's a nine-time singles Wimbledon champion. She blasted the NCAA announcement that transgender swimmer Leah Thomas, was a man, has been nominated by the University of Pennsylvania for Women of the Year Great. Award. So uh, this, the, this tennis legend, Martina Navratilova, she says, uh, this, is, this is not enough. Uh, you know, fabulous biological women athletes, uh, NCAA, what is wrong with you? Yeah. Another news item. Catholicism 101. So what does the church say about how cremated remains should be handled? Uh, there's, a, there's a good article, but people don't realize the answer is simple. Yep. Cremated remains of the baptized faithful after Vatican II are to be treated with the same reverence with which we treat the mortal remains of those who are not cremated. Perfect. They should be buried in a Catholic cemetery or interred in a Catholic mausoleum whenever possible. They should not be on your shelf in your living room. Or they should not be th- thrown out into the ocean. <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Last, new, last news item, yeah. Uh, there's a measure condemning violence, and it's been blocked by the House Democrats. Surprise, surprise. House Democrats on Tuesday blocked a Republican resolution that would have condemned the ongoing rash of violence against Catholic churches and pregnancy care, pregnancy care centers by pro-abortion groups. Uh, Catholic Vogue has documented, and it's violence tracker, there have been more than 50 attacks on pro-life clinics, including acts of arson and vandalism, since the since the leak in early May of the Supreme Court's decision overturning Roe versus Wade. Terry? You know, Jess, there's so much more, but let's get to the good news of the gospel. We'll call it soul food, and then the feast day today is special also. Matthew, the, the, the speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. The gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 13. Yep. Jesus dismissed the crowds yep. and went into the house. His disciples approached him and said, Explain to us the the parables of the weeds in the field. He said in reply, He who sows good seed is a son of man. The field is the world. Mm -hmm. The good seed, the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the harvesters are angels. Just as weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all who cause others to sin and all other evildoers. They will throw them into a fiery furnace where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. That means a lot of pain and torture. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears ought to hear the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. If you're wondering why there are things that are bad things happening in the Catholic church. Today's gospel just <laughs> answered Nailed your question it. because Jesus told us, guess what? He said, 
in the kingdom of God, and by the way, the kingdom of God on earth is a Roman Catholic church, but in this kingdom of God on earth, the devil sows seed. And what's the seed? He's, there are evil people that he raises up, wicked people within the kingdom of God on earth. Yep. They're right next to you, somewhere a Roman caller, somewhere a bishop's might, or somewhere lay people. There are, there are weeds and wheat in the Catholic Church right now. But Jesus says, it's not our job to pull out the weeds. It's not our job. He says, that's the job of the angels at the end of time. They're going to come at the second coming of Christ, and they're going to do the sifting. They're going to do the separating. They're going to separate the wheat from the wheats. They're going to separate the sheep from the goats. And Jesus' promise for those that persevere until the end, he says, then the righteous... In other words, those that are saved will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. That's one of the four characteristics of the glorified body right. that the church promises is that the body is going to be luminous and bright because it's going to be in a perpetual state of grace. You're going to be like a little sun, S-U-N. Wow. And what about our feast day, Jess? We got a minute for that. St. Joachim. Yes. St. Joachim and St. the grandparents of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary. <clears throat> Scripture is silent about the grandparents of Jesus, but there is an old document. That's right. It's called the Proto-Evangelium. It was written about right around 150 A.D. Mm-hmm. It's, it's one of the early, uh, early historical documents of the church. It relates the story of Anne and Joachim, who were cured from their infertility with the gift of the child Mary. Uh, the veneration of St. Anne and St. Joachim it goes back all the way to the Eastern Catholic Church from the 7th century. In the West, St. Anne became popular in the Middle Ages, invoked by infertile couples and women in childbirth. Medieval painters favored the, tr- the triad of Anne embracing the, her, her daughter Mary and the grandchild Jesus. Uh, this reminds me of Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6. The Bible says, Children's children are the crown of the elderly, And the glory of children is their parentage. Well, guess what? Jesus is the crown of St. Joachim and St. Anne. And if you want to see this lived out, go to St. Joseph's Oratory in Montreal. They have a life-size image of all of the life of Mary and uh, her mother and father. And it's just really beautiful. So if you go to St. Joseph's Oratory, where Brother Andre Bissette is... uh, and he's been laid to rest there, great saint of the church, and he had great devotion to St. Joseph. You'll love going there. St. Joseph's Oratory in Montreal, Canada. All right, when we come back, let's talk about a, a book. Yeah we, got Katie, yeah, we got Katie Warner. She wrote a comic book. Yep. Basically, as Catholic priests, as superheroes. Superheroes, I, I love I it. think she's on to something, Terry. I mean, she's going to give a run. She's going to give a run to uh, to Marvel Comics and DC Comics. I love it. Anything that we can do to promote more priests and show priests for what they are, then let's do it. So let's stay, do it. stay with us, family. You're going to enjoy this interview and much more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888 888- Five two six two one five one. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. We're back to the Terry and Jesse show. We've got Katie Warner. She's an author for ten. She wrote a book. I, Katie, welcome to the show. By the way, 
It's so great to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Our pleasure. You know, uh, Terry, I'm perusing the book. Yeah. And I am so impressed because I grew up with well, you, Terry. You probably did too. Oh, yeah. I grew up on 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 DC comics, Marvel sure. comics, Superman, sure. Batman, Spider Man, The Incredible Hulk. <laughs> every boy, every American boy, well-adjusted boy, we're always looking for superheroes. We put on capes. We jump from the roof of the house. You know, we we injure our knees. Uh, you know, we're always on the beds with capes and trying to fly through the air. Well, finally somebody writes a book showing the heroic nature of the, of the priesthood. And, and let me just read what it says on page one. Then I'll, we'll, then, then we'll have a conversation, Katie. I love what it says on the opening page. It says, this is a story of Jack Giorgio who dreamed of becoming a superhero. With bright and moving illustrations and a fun rhythm storyline, your young child will love the spirit of Jack Giorgio and his quest to find heroes and become one himself. A beautiful tale that emphasizes the heroic nature of the Catholic priesthood while celebrating and encouraging holy vocation. So, Katie, you wrote a book, a comic book, showing priests to be superheroes. I think that was absolutely brilliant. What inspired you to write the book? Am I saying it right? Giorgio or Gorgio? Yeah. Priest. yeah, no, no, that's right. That's right. It's after Pierre Giorgio Frassati. I get the, it. I thought. I to, yeah, I sneak a saint reference in, in those <laughs> book titles whenever I can. <laughs> Love it. Very smart. So what inspired you to write this book? I, I, I've perused it and I'm like, I'm going to read this to all my grandkids. This is amazing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'm so glad you like it, Jesse. And thank you for such a kind introduction. You know, I, I really can give credit to my own sons. Like you said, boys just have this propensity mm -hmm. for wanting to look for superheroes, for wanting to be superheroes. So the idea for this book actually came so many years before I even wrote it. My oldest son was then only a toddler, and I would take him to daily mass with me, and we would talk about how the priest was like a hero, and how he had superpowers through the grace of God, and how the <laughs> sacraments were like weapons against evil. I love it. And, wow. And those conversations really planted a seed for this book coming to life years later. And excitedly, both of my boys, one of them's eight, uh, my other boys one, and um, or almost two, I should say, um, they haven't put it down since it arrived. So um, my toddler son won't go to sleep without it. And it's just been really fun to see and exactly what I was hoping for with this book. My daughters love it as well, but it especially captures the imaginations and, and excitement of little boys which wow. is what I was hoping for. Katie, let me ask you this. Can you talk a little bit about the cover art and the first line of the story and how these draw young children into the book? Yeah, you bet, Terry. Okay, so I, all the art credit goes to the fantastic illustrator, Amy Rodriguez. Mm -hmm. She used both a traditional, bright, and fun illustrative style in the book, as well as, and this is what Jesse was mentioning, a graphic novel style mm -hmm. during all the mass scenes. So it's a really cool interplay um, with the artwork. And then Meg consulted, um, Meg Whalen consulted on the art design for the book, which brought to life this beautiful cover. The cover's an adorable young boy dressed in a superhero costume mm -hmm. and behind him is the presumed shadow of him as an adult priest raising up the holy eucharist so Love it's it. really 
amazing. We've already had some people tell us that they just cried looking at the cover. So um, yeah, it's such a blessing. And then the book starts, this is the story of Jack Giorgio who dreamed of becoming a superhero. And so, I mean, what child, like you said, doesn't want to read a superhero tale? So this superhero tale takes an unusual and delightful Catholic twist that parents and kids really love. Love it. You know, Katie, it's interesting you say that. Uh, the whole superhero motif, because this this is something big with young people. They're they're always even for men. You talk to the average Catholic man, and you ask them, "Hey, what movies are your favorite movies?" Gladiator, Three Hundred. <laughs> talk, talk to talk to the average. That's what they're going to tell you. Braveheart. Totally, yeah. Braveheart. Why? Because they like heroes. Exactly. And, and so you you've tapped into something here that's deep. That's that's deep in the male psyche. Is that men? are ultimately, we're, we're looking for leaders, we're looking for a hero. Ultimately, obviously, we know the ultimate hero, as it says in Isaiah chapter 9, it says, uh, is, is, is the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's, calls him a wonderful counselor, mighty God, God hero. But uh, but the priest, uh, most of, my, my kid told me one day, my, my kids when they're small at, at Mass, they said, Dad, um, if you put your hands over the bread and wine, does anything happen? I said, no. They go, why not, Dad? I said, because I'm not a priest. And back then I was very into martial arts. I was a black belt in teaching and stuff. I said, my hands, I said, you know, I can break, I can break wood and I can, you know, you know I, can, I can fold heavy bags in half. I said, but only a priest's hands, only they can change the body, the bread and wine into the body and blood of Christ. My kids were fascinated. I said, so I said, the priest's hands, I said, they're like nobody else's. I said, not even dad with his black belt can do anything a priest can with his hands. My kids remember that conversation to this day, that there's something special about a priest's hands. So, Katie, tell us some more about the father-son relationship that you portrayed in this book. Yeah, no, I love, I love all that you just said, Jesse. It's so, so true. It really does point to like that superpower nature of the priest. And, and in the book as well, I did want to bring out this beautiful, loving, truly fatherly presence in Jack's dad. So in the book, he's a guiding mentor, really helping Jack uncover the truth of heroism in our culture, teaching him that men are called to sacrifice, not to comfort, right? And um, being a spiritual leader of his family, helping him discern his vocation, not your everyday depiction of fatherhood in today's media. Um, I really love that opportunity to highlight for families what a gift this relationship is between a dad and his son, or even just a dad and his children in general, and restore um, that idea of what fatherhood is really meant to be in our culture today that has often just such a mistaken identity of fatherhood. Well said, Katie. How does this book inspire a greater awareness of the beauty and the mystery of the Mass? I mean, we, the Eucharist, the Source and Summit, how does it do that? Right. You know, Jesse just gave a great example of just noticing some of the superpowers of the priest, like in his very hands during the transmutation. But so much of the book is really meant to highlight that beauty of the mass and the Mm -hmm. sacrament. It's kind of meant to be a wake up call, even for the parents reading it with their kids. Like, let's not zone out when we're at mass. There's a miracle happening. Amen. 
front of our eyes at the hands of the priest. And there's angels and saints literally among us. Um, Amy does a great job actually depicting this in that part of the book, showing the angels and the saints physically present at mass. Awesome. Um, and, then, and then looking at the sacraments as literal weapons of grace. Mm. So the book talks about how confession really does set us free and the Eucharist really does make demons flee. And so to help draw some of those connections for children can really help them look at the mass and the sacraments with new eyes and just be really excited to see how God is at work in 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 the way superheroes are you know in the in the movies they see in the comics they read wow Katie you know this is some this is important because you're 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 especially writing to young boys you know who are going to be young men are going to be young, young fathers and uh, j just a lot of the the imagery that you use is going to really help them out because I remember years ago uh, reading from one of the church fathers, St. John Chrysostom. He said that, and I shared this with my boys when they were young, and, and they never forgot it. They're now, you know, two young, two young cops working the streets with night watch, but they never forgot this. And this is this has made them Sunday mass attending Catholics all their life. I told them when they were small, I said, St. John Chrysostom says that after you receive Holy Communion and you're walking back to the pew to say your prayers, that the devil sees everybody who receives Holy Communion and all he sees is the blood of Jesus, crimson red blood in your mouth. And and St. John Chrysostom says, at that moment, you look like a lion breathing fire to the devil. I told that to my boys and my daughter when they were small. They've never, they're in their, they're in their late 20s, early 30s. And, and they've said, they get it now. They said, the my boys will say, the devil fears me most when I'm in a state of grace and after I receive Holy Communion. But it's those little pictures that you can paint, and your book does a good job of that, where especially for boys, this is exactly what we want to do, because our cultures try to effeminize our boys, and your book is trying to bring out uh, uh, that magnanimity, that greatness in men. I can see that. Absolutely. And Katie, I want people to know they can get your book from tanbooks.com. Also, Katie... Um I can see 5, 10, 15 years from now, a young men, ordained priest saying, you know where I found my vocation? In this book my mom and dad gave me. Mark my word, if I'm around, I don't, probably won't be around, but if I am, I'll say, there you go, Katie. Next question. There is uh, an awesome lineup of priest saints mentioned in the book. Great models. Tell us some of your favorite and, and the impact they had on the story reader. Sure. Yeah. So in addition to the saints that we mentioned in the story, we also include a litany at the end. Mm -hmm. So it presents parents and kids with this really fun opportunity to learn more about these popular canonized priest heroes yeah. of our faith. So a lot of um, people listen, you know, your, your listeners are, are going to know St. John Paul II, Padre Pio, Jose Maria Escriva, mm -hmm. Maximilian Colby, oh, yeah. John Bosco, John Youth. <laughs> it's really neat to learn about their priesthoods because they're all so different. And it really demonstrates how God's call within a call, in this case, the priesthood, is so unique to each individual. And God has that in mind for us, too. This totally unique story that he's wanting to write with each of our lives and vocations if we just surrender to his will, becoming an instrument of his will uncover this great potential to be a saint like these heroic and brave priests mentioned in the story. Beautiful. Katie, you did something very good here. It's very ingenious. I'm just going from one page to another, and the illustrations are easy to look at. It's easy on the eye, but it, it, you're just, you just keep emphasizing a father-son relationship 
which is something that's lacking in our country right now. I just read a st- study that I forget how many millions of, of young young men don't have a father. I think like 20 million. And that's what's given birth to Black Lives Matter, Antifa, uh, Occupy Wall Street. <clears throat> Most of these anarchists come from uh, homes that don't have a father. Your book emphasizes the father-son relationship. So I, I want to give you kudos for that. I'm also looking at this one page where you have, uh, I think it's St. Francis of Assisi. He's levitating in prayer. What, what's that all about? So that's what that, that page specifically, we were trying to illustrate this idea that the saints have superpowers. It's so funny because my kids will read books or um, or even a lot of children who, who might watch superhero style movies. They see all these really cool things happening. And, and I'm always reminding them, read the lives of the saints. <laughs> like, <laughs> this, like this stuff really happens. Like, to, you know, in real life to real saints, you know, levitation and all of the really amazing saints saint stories where priests are just able to you know there's a legend of saint james whose feast day we celebrated yesterday Mm -hmm. you know where saint james was able to bring a young boy back to life after being dead for five weeks so i mean these are the kind of stories that our kids just love because they realize they're not just stories katie let me jump in we got to take a quick break we're going to come right back more on the terry and jesse show on virgin most powerful radio stay with us family Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. Katie, we're interviewing you about your book, and I can't say it enough. Go to tanbooks.com and pick the book up. Jesse. Let me, let me mention something about this yeah. book that just reminded me of something that I watched 10, ten years ago. Tell me. As I'm perusing through Katie's book, yeah, uh, it reminded me of of a movie that came out. I think a little over ten years ago. It was called the Great the Greatest Miracle uh, or El Gran Milagro, mm-hmm. and it was it was a cartoon depiction of what happens Mexico. at mass. Yep, it was made by a Mexican production company in yep. Mexico. Yep, uh, and this book, as I'm looking through it, I'm saying this is exactly what an in book form. With that, with that, it's it's now on video. It's, I think you probably get on got to get it on YouTube. It's called the greatest miracle, and it talks about again. It, it talks about all the supernatural activity of the Catholic Mass, but it's done in cartoon form. Katie, have you seen that movie? By the way, no, I haven't. I'm I'm like trying to grab my phone here to make a note so I can check it out after the show. Oh, you'll, you'll love it, Katie. It's, yeah, it's yeah, yes. So, Katie, how can this book inspire vocations in young children? Yeah, so, you know, I really hope that it makes kids more excited about vocations in general, about their future vocation in particular. And I purposefully left the story in the discernment phase with Jack dreaming and praying about uncovering Mm -hmm. God's plan for his life and vocation, while knowing that his job here and now is to be a hero by loving God with abandon every day. So, I mean, that's just, that's just a mission that all children can really be constantly encouraged in by their parents is just their vocation to love. And so you can do that as a child in the midst of your everyday play and your schoolwork and just learn that as, you know, the more that you grow in your faith, the more 
that you stay close to God in prayer, stay close to him in the sacraments, that he'll begin to unfold his plan for you. And as long as you have that desire to follow his will, he will make his vocation for you become more apparent. And so I really wanted that theme to come out in the book and to also encourage parents to be teaching this to their children, you know, to the idea of what a vocation is and to be kind of paying attention for God's call in their life and his voice in their life and him wanting to speak to them and to call them to great heights of holiness. You know, Katie, one of the things I like about the book is that, yes, uh, obviously, you know, parents cultivate a vocation and parents draw people to Christ, but you really emphasize in your book the role of the father, you know, so the there's 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 this there's this patriarchal, you know, passing down the baton like David did to Solomon, and that's what I see in your book. You're putting the onus, which is good. You're putting the onus back on the fathers to try to cultivate vocations in their children, and that that's a good thing. I I, I don't know if you did that intentionally in your book, but it's it's pretty obvious as I went through it that it's kind of the patriarchal role of dad to try to cultivate vocations. Totally. You know, the uh, Terry, did you want to chime in? No, I want I, you. I, I, I want to compliment after you make your comments. Yeah. So, I, you know, and I love I think this, it was I was listening to all the testimonies during the break of people commending your show. Yeah. And I really think there is this hunger mm -hmm. um, for men to fulfill their roles as the spiritual fathers. And oftentimes it can be kind of easy for women to take on that role because we have that natural spiritual propensity. Right. And so um, but the more that men really really stand into that role, come into that role, the more the children really benefit from the father's example in that regard. And there have been so many studies done That's right. that show how impactful That's right. the role of the father has on his children's spiritual lives, how, how important it is that kids see their dads pray, that kids see their dads telling them, teaching them tenets of the faith. Like you were talking about Jesse, how, you know, the devil is afraid of you after receive communion. Like these little nuggets of faith. St. Therese talked about how when she was young, she never really, you know, paid much attention to what the priest was saying during, and during the homily. She said, my father was the homily. And she used to, my father was the sermon was the way she said it because she would watch her father and his reverence and respect during the mass and say, there's something important going on here. Look at the way my dad is responding to the liturgy. And so I think just children are constantly looking for that example in their fathers. And the more that dads can step into that role, the more we're going to see a generation of children being raised up who are truly holy and brave and courageous in their faith. And we need that in our culture now more than ever. Well said, Katie. And just statistically, 87% of our young people by the age of 23 will not be practicing their faith. I guarantee, get this book into people's hands and their families, that statistic will go way, way down. So I want to encourage people to go to tanbooks.com to pick up your book. But Katie, um, can you talk about the importance of restoring this concept of heroism to the Catholic priesthood? Yeah, you know, I really wanted people to be able to take away from this book what a great gift the priesthood is to the church. Mm. I think the past several decades have afforded Catholics to see the humanity of many fallen, broken priests, mm -hmm. but there are truly heroically virtuous priests that Amen. are in our church today. Amen. And 
these priests, God has literally ordained his miraculous work among us. So we need to restore wonder and gratitude in that. And I'm hoping this book will begin to do that. You know, the priesthood is a vocation that's truly set apart. Um, a priest who was recently ordained this May from our own parish um, ha has such an incredible story. He said at his baptism, when he was an infant, uh -huh. the priest who baptized him gave a prophetic word to his parents that he would be a priest someday. Wow. So, I mean, this, tr this truly is a vocation <laughs> that's set apart for the service of God, sometimes in a powerful way like this, where the call is known from birth. I mean, it's really amazing to think about it. And I also think that in the times that we're living in, in particular, with cultural influences so strongly opposing fundamental Catholic beliefs, the true bravery required to stand up for what's good and beautiful and true and godly is an example that we need to give our kids in this ongoing discussion that we need to have with them so that they're equipped to have that unshakable faith that can stand strong and courageous against these culture wars someday. You know, so to be able to find these priests in our own community and, and in stories and in history, you know, as, as this book points out, to be able to have these priestly examples, um, many of whom did live out the faith in, in very tumultuous times. I mean, we could think about all of the World War II priests and how many priests today are having to stand up for truth and then really losing a lot. There's a lot at stake because of it. Yeah. And to hold them up as heroes that we too want to emulate as lay people and to have that kind of courage amidst a, a very dark and you know evil culture around us. Beautiful. Katie, so what, what inspired you to write to start writing children's books for young Catholics? What was your inspiration with your husband, your parish priest? Who was it? Yeah, so, you know, years ago, my, my friend Meg Whalen, who's illustrated a number of my children's books, um, she and I were talking about how we just really wanted our kids to be excited to run and grab Catholic children's books off the shelf. So just as, just as excited as they were to grab, you know, the secular Barnes and Noble bestsellers, you know, we wanted Catholic books that were as good in terms of catechetical content as they were, you know, fun and attractive and unique. And, um, and so to be able to have that orthodoxy and goodness and truth and beauty of our Catholic faith combined with the whimsy and joy that you can get from a children's book, that was really our mission. That's we wanted our children to fall in love with Jesus and the saints and the church through the joy of reading about them. So, and then both Meg and I have graduate degrees in theology. So we also knew we wanted to avoid watering anything down. You know, it was very important to us to just give, you know, hardcore Catholicism to young children because their hearts were made for God. Their hearts were made for this. They want to soak this in. And it really is amazing to see some of the conversations and motivation um, just for growth in their own faith that children have after reading our books. They're able to make connections at such a young age because like their hearts were really made, made for God, as Augustine said, you know? And so, so to be able to see that kind of unlocked through reading a good children's book is just a really beautiful and delightful experience for any loved ones who are able to be blessed enough to read these books along with their kids. Katie, I want to endorse your book again from tanbooks.com, but I also want to endorse where the heck did you go to school 
they have the situation you're in today. Because wherever you went, we all want to know where. Yeah. You, 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 I, I, I happily endorse the Augustine Institute was where I got my Tim Gray, of course. We know right, Tim I know. Well. I was going to say, as soon as I say it, you'll be glad. Like, yes, that is a school we can endorse. Absolutely. <laughs> Tim Gray, my nephew, Dr. Barber, teaches there. So. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, okay. I, you know what, Terry? I'm glad you made that connection. I Now that I'm looking at you, I go, of course you're related. <laughs> <laughs> Um, But no, it was, I mean, we were so blessed to meet there. Meg was actually um, in art school at the same time as she was studying theology. Excellent. And the Lord just brought us together again years later. We were both living in Florida at the same time. Mm -hmm. And we're like, these are the books we want for our kids. Let's make them happen. And so the Holy Spirit just opened all the doors. It's been a blessing to work with Tan Books. They're just, they're known for their orthodoxy. So. It's great to be able to have people say, you know, if Tan puts it out, then it's going to be solid. Exactly. You know, so we're, we're very thankful that we've become, you know, that name in children's books for Tan. Like, okay, we know this book is going to be good for our kids. So it, that's a huge blessing. Awesome. So tell us about some other children's book titles that our listeners may be interested in. And what other topics do you cover in your books? Yeah, so um, we've been talking about Jack Giorgio, Future Priest. The book that actually came before this was called Lily Lolek, Future Saint. Mm. And um, that's kind of its girl companion. So we had a lot of girls really fall in love with that <laughs> book. And the mis- the idea of that book is just basically that God calls all of us to be saints. Amen. And, um, and so that book's really fun for kids. Um, another book that I would recommend to your, um, to your listeners is called Listening for God, Silence Practice for Little Ones. Mm-hmm. That one has been an extremely helpful resource in our family prayer time, basically teaching my young children that the fundamental building blocks of prayer begins in silence. So just teaching very busy, active young children how to quiet themselves for a moment so that they can learn to listen for God's voice. And that that story takes place in the context of the story of Elijah and the still small voice. Katie, I like that. I like the fire in your belly. Keep it up. And again, go to tanbooks.com to get all of her books. I want to thank you for joining us here on the Terry and Jesse Show. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. God bless. God bless, God bless you. Up next, yes, does God give us more than we can handle? Let's find out. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Yeah, this is the Terry and Jesse show. We're back. We'd like to talk about, there's a good article written by a Dominican brother. You know, we at Catholics, we always ask ourselves, does God give us more than we can handle? We're going to try to answer that question. This is what I would call Catholicism 101. Does God give us more than we can handle? Sometimes people feel overwhelmed, like you can't do it on your own. And Brother Raymond Lagrange, a Dominican brother, he considers the pitfalls of that common saying, God will never give you more than you can handle. So, he says there's two competing theories in theology when it comes to that phrase to understand it. God will never give you more than you can handle. He says the two competing theories regarding God and the trials in our lives. One theory, let's call it the pious theory. That states that God never gives us more than we can handle. He wants to toughen us up, but not to break us. Surely, he would never ask martyrdom from anyone unless they had the strength to undergo it. The other theory, we'll call it the cynical theory. It holds that God does, in fact, give us burdens we cannot bear. Not everybody can handle the demands of the Christian life. Just look around. Some Christians apostatize rather than suffer martyrdom. 
Both these theories, unfortunately, make the same fundamental mistake about our relationship to God. Both suppose that He makes use of only external pressures to form and transform us, leaving it up to conform ourselves to His will. The cynical theory holds that He has no problem exceeding our limits, while the pious theory denies this. But they share the same basic disastrous presumption. God is not stuck on the outside. Rather, He works on us from the inside out. Amen. He does this by giving us the virtue necessary to follow Him. St. Thomas calls these infused virtues because they're not acquired through long practice, but rather infused all at once as a gift of grace. Every Christian who is in a state of grace has these virtues. The infusion of virtue directs us to God, our final end, and overflows into all areas of our lives. Yeah, we still have our old attachments and bad habits that will make life difficult and will require long work to root it out. But at the same time, we have the promise of God's strength, where our own strength fails. Terry? Well, consider again the martyrs, folks. Some of them must have been naturally courageous individuals, like the steely-nerved warriors, the statesmen whom the pagans had venerated. But Jesus Christ makes a promise that the pagans could never make. He assures us that even the rest of us, the weak, the fearful, can make the ultimate sacrifice. We can do this because we carry in our soul the grace won for us, guess what, the month of July, the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm. And this grace overflows into the virtues by which we follow Christ, even to, to our own cross. Ordinarily weak and fearful Christians, they become great by the grace of God. Before we continue on this, Jess, and I want you to finish this, I just want to say that when you have good philosophy, this is Thomistic philosophy. Yeah. I believe that a lot of our depression is based on people not understanding their reason and their purpose in life. They didn't get good philosophy given to them when they were young. And I see this in the church today. We have a lot of confusion because good philosophy breeds good theology. Continue, Jess, on this. This does not mean that we have the strength for any human challenges mm-hmm. that, we come, that we come across. Mm-hmm. We will fail in business and personal matters just like everybody else. There's no way around that. Nor does this virtue mean that we will not have to struggle, often painfully, against the root, the, root sin, the root of sin in our lives. It only means that it is possible for us to choose God over sin. Even when following Christ, it means paying the ultimate pro- sacrifice, we can be given the grace to pay it through the blood of Christ, who paid the price for all of us. Terry, there's one verse, I'll just, I'm going to just share it. It's yeah. not in the article. No, please do. But I think I think there's a, there's a verse that really unlocks our understanding mm-hmm. as to why why we're able to endure trials and tribulation and suffering even beyond what we thought was humanly possible. Yeah. And and, and the reason is is St. Paul writes it in Colossians chapter 1 and I'm flipping my Bible over to Colossians. I fill up what is one. lacking, brother. It, it it, it's, it's, it, it's right after that. It's Colossians one twenty seven. St. Paul says, Christ in me, yep. the hope of glory. Awesome. Think about that. Think about that hope verse. Hope of glory. Christ in me, Christ in you. The, that's the only reason, Terry, yep. we can do anything. If it wasn't for Jesus Christ living in us, literally, yeah. there's no way we could endure some of the trials, tribulations, suffering, stress, that's thrown at us. That's right. But be, but because we have 
we have, again, here it is, Colossians one twenty seven. St. Paul says, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. What mystery? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That that answers why we can endure suffering and trials and tribulations. Why? Because Christ lives in us. Not Muhammad, not nope. Buddha, not Confucius, not Zoroaster, not Socrates. Jesus Christ lives. And this is why St. Peter, the, the Pope, first Pope says that because of that, we become part, we, we participate in the divine nature. We become participants. And so it's only because of Jesus. It's like the, in, in the Novus Ordo Mass, there's a prayer where we say, through him, with him, and in him. That's the only reason we can do anything of merit. Amen. Anything that pleases God, anything of merit can only be done through Jesus, with Jesus, and in Jesus. And again, John fifteen five. apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And Jesse, that's why I say people have that without a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that you know him, he knows you. You're not going to get anywhere. And this is why I say without prayer, nothing happens. And this is why I encourage people to visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament on a regular basis. Because in the quiet time before our Eucharistic presence of Christ in the Eucharist, you will encounter Jesus Christ. So this article really, this is a young brother. He came into the order in 2016. He's a graduate of the University of Alberta, where he studied chemistry and physics. Can you imagine that? And then he becomes a Dominican priest. But he's taking Thomistic philosophy here and breaking it down to Joe Sixpack. That's how I see it, Jess. Yeah, and and again, this uh, Thomistic philosophy, this is the, this is the uh, way to put need- together scripture, tradition, and reason. It's going to renew the church, Jess. Let's be honest. Bring back Thomas. John Paul II brought him back with Veritatis Splendor, and we need him back even more than now. Yeah, well, the, the, the modernists are doing everything they can to, ch- to keep him under the bubble, but but uh, you're right, Terry. Everybody knows Pope Benedict, John Paul II. Yep. Uh, everybody knows that the restoration of the Catholic Church is going to happen when we bring in the the, the Thomistic philosophy so that we can understand our faith with moral clarity. Because the, the, the bottom line is, getting to know Jesus is life's greatest pursuit. <laughs> Nothing else. Yeah. Yeah. What else yeah. is there? <laughs> yeah, because Jesus is the fulfillment of all our desires. Amen. And we must realize that Jesus Christ, a lot of Catholics have this misconception of Jesus. They think he's like some Jewish hippie guru, you know, teacher, yeah. you know, that would have been around in the Woodstock days. No, no. Jesus is a king. Not only is he a king, he's the king of kings, which means that he rules, which means that he reigns, which means that he flips over tables in the temple. That's right. Which means he scorns the den of vipers, which means he rebukes the synagogue of Satan. This is the Jesus of the Catholic faith that we know and worship. This is the Jesus of Scripture. And by the way, this is the Jesus that was going to lead us out out of this mess one day. And as Catholics, we got to quit acting like we're part of the witness protection program. We got to become evangelical Catholics. Amen. Too many Catholics seemingly have entered a witness protection program because they're missing in action. <laughs> they don't evangelize. No. 
Catholic evangelization is a mission to help people fall in love with God, save souls, and slay error. Catholic evangelization is a call to arms. And there's no finer time to be a faithful Catholic than right. right now. This is the Catholic moment. And God himself has called each and every one of us to live in this time and place. Why? To contribute to the renewal of society and the church and to vanquish the enemies of Western civilization, primarily through their conversion to Christ, the social reign of Christ the King. Jesus Christ, the goal of Catholics is to make Jesus Christ King of every individual and every single nation. And guess what? In the midst of this task... We're going to become as holy as possible. Sign me up, Jess. I love it. When you get fired up like this, this is what our mission is. Remember what Fulton Sheen said. If souls are saved, everything is saved. But if souls are not saved, nothing is saved. Jess, this has been a great show. We had a good time. I want people to take these shows and send them to their friends. You know, put links to these shows. That's how we're getting more listeners all of the time. And I want to remind everybody... Bishop Joseph Strickland's on right after our show. If you can't get it on your sh- on your uh, AM station, go to vmpr.org. Download our app because Bishop Strickland is one of the few bishops mm. who's speaking the truth about our Catholic faith without any uh, any guys. He's just laying it all out. So I want you to, if you have not listened to Bishop Strickland, please give him one show today, and you're going to find out this is a bishop who's speaking the truth in charity. And I want to also remind people, Jesse, you probably heard that we have those deliverance prayers for the laity, the ones I use and you use every day. Mm-hmm. They're on our website now at vmpr.org. I guess we just got that up there for the folks. And uh, again, I want to remind people here at Virgin Most Powerful Radio, we are going to be having Charles Cologne start in September. You heard him yesterday. I think we had 16,000 people just view it on social media from yesterday's show. Let's do it again today with Katie. Katie was awesome. Her, mm. her book for young people and young boys. This is just what the church needs. It's the laity that are standing up right now, Jesse, and evangelizing just like Fulton Sheen predicted back in 1974. That's right. Hey, the last paragraph says here, to, to the return to the original question, mm-hmm. does God indeed give us more than we can handle by ourselves? We are weak and unremarkable humans, mm-hmm. and the weight of life may well outstrip our powers. But God promises us that the infusion of grace necessary to follow him will not be wanting to us. There's no temptation too powerful nor obstacle too great. However terrifying the trial, we can entrust ourselves to the promise of Jesus Christ crucified. He says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And Jesse, this is the answer to the modernists who say, oh, just do your best. God understands. You know, you're going to fall. So fall again. Who You know, because God will forgive you. That's the presumption that modernists have. What we just gave you is a Thomistic philosophy that has been with the church for hundreds of years, and it's proven to be the best the church has. Jess, what state should we be living in, brother? State of grace. Don't live in a state of sin. Become holy or die trying. Pray rosary every day. Go to Mass as often as possible. Sign up for a holy hour once a week in your parish. And remember, read your Bible every single day. Say, love, love God, that's the message, yep. save souls and slay error. And remember, Our Lady of Fatima said souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices. Participate on the team, man. If you're not praying the rosary, you're off the team. Let's offer up our sacrifices today for the salvation of souls. May God richly bless you and your family.